Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to the latest edition of the Football Writers Podcast featuring me, Mike Calvin, Jordan Jarrett Bryan of Channel 4 News, and Dominic Fifield of The Athletic. The draw for the knockout stage of the Champions League comes at the best time, the dead of winter. It gives us something to look forward to and enthuse about. A decent last 16 draw for the three remaining English teams. Manchester City face Borussia Mönchengladbach, Chelsea must deal with Atletico Madrid, and Liverpool are up against RB Leipzig. Let's start with that one, Jordan. It will inevitably be billed as a clash of generational German managers, Jurgen Klopp and Julian Nagelsmann, won't it? It will, yes. And I'm not particularly sure that's a draw that Liverpool will love. I think that they will be glad that they are away first because that almost buys them time for the home leg to try and get fans back in in the ground. Hopefully by the return leg, there'll be a significant number of fans back in the ground by then. And we all know how much of an influence that, that the Anfield crowd are on those European nights. But I think, yeah, I think this is a really good test for Jurgen Klopp. One, because we know that, you know, Nagelsmann is a rising manager in European football. I think he, his next job will be a big one. And he'll relish the, the, the challenge of going up against one of the top two, top three managers in world football. But I also think to myself, how seriously will Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp take this competition? I think in a really weird year, so many games in a very truncated period of time, I wonder if they're prioritising retaining their Premier League over winning back the European Cup. And with the injuries that they've had, and no doubt will continue to have, I think every team is going to just have more and more injuries as we go past Christmas into the new year. I wonder if some of his selections may slightly show us how seriously he's taking this. And I think that I've said before, the teams I think will have the best success this season won't be the best teams or best managers I think it'll be the managers that rotate and build, what's the word, R rotate their teams the best. I think we'll have the best success this year. And I wonder if, if in that he will focus on the league and prioritise the players that he does have for the league and less of the Champions League. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that, to be honest, because you know, they love the stars on the badges, don't they, Dom? When you look at, at Leipzig as opposition, obviously last season they were only beaten in the, in the semi-final by PSG. Will Liverpool take heart from the the bad defeats that they suffered against Manchester United and Paris? Well, yeah, they have to look to the uh, the thumping that United inflicted upon them in particular, I'd imagine. That, that showed a surprising frailty, really. I don't think any of us saw that coming at the time. And that, that is you know, in a two-legged tie. Obviously, if, you've, if you're jettisoned 5-0 from one of the legs, then that's pretty much you done. But the, I think... Leipzig will be steeled more for the for the Champions League come the new year. It's it's this is difficult. It's, it is a great time. You're right. It's a great time to have the draw, but it's very very difficult to predict exactly what state these teams are going to be in when these ties actually take place. Not least there's a there's a transfer window in between as well. And I mean there are players at Leipzig that are still finding their feet. They obviously had a bit of a turnover in the summer. It's not the same 
side effectively that that, that did so well last season. Their forward line is very different. I'm intrigued to see whether Alexander Serloth, who, who was such a flop in this country when his brief spell at Crystal Palace, whether he can actually make some kind of impact, both firstly in the Bundesliga, but also in competitions like the Champions League. But, you know, I think it's a tie that Liverpool can win. Very, They can definitely get through this. It's it's one of the more appealing draws that they could have had, actually, just because I think Leipzig look a bit like a, they're in a state of flux still. Yeah, I suppose if you look at the stats, Liverpool are unbeaten in their last 10 matches against German teams in all European competitions. To follow up on Dom's point there, Jordan, you know, we're talking about Klopp creating breathing room before these ties, which are first legs middle, middle of Feb, second leg middle of March. Do you expect additions to the Liverpool squad in the win- in the window? I do, and I wonder if they might be a bit mischievous and kill two birds with one stone here by trying to sign up Opamecano. I think that that could be a very, very shrewd move there for Liverpool if they can take their, their Champions League opponent's best player and fill a position that I think that they will need anyway. Now, whether Van Dijk comes back to the Van Dijk that we knew and, and loved up until his injury, time will tell. But I think the one thing we can agree on is whether he's back to his best or not, they need a second centre-back anyway. So I, I wonder if they will have a look at trying to, trying to nibble at him. I, I, th- I think that they will, whether it's Upper Meccano or not, look to, to make additions because, as I mentioned, I think there will be more injuries. And I just think that Liverpool are on the, they're on the bare bones. They've done well, to be fair, in Europe and at home to maintain what they've done with the players they've lost already. So I think that they've, they've, they've gone to the well in terms of the youth team and they've brought through some really talented players there. But I really think that they are intent on being a serious team in this Premier League in particular. And to do that, they'll want to show people that after 30 years, we not only can win a Premier League, we can retain it. And I think they're still the favourites, in my opinion, to, to do that. But I think that that will only be maintained, in my mind, if they do make some key additions to, to the squad. Yeah, when you think about it, they're falling falling down like nine pins at the moment, are they? Yotta's injury. Uh, Joel Matip looks pretty fragile. OK, you can balance that by Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain perhaps coming back. Dom, what do you think this season and its inherent difficulties is proving about Liverpool's capability and character? Well, the fact that they are joint top of the Premier League and through to the knockout phase in the Champions League, despite all the the injuries that they have sustained, really demonstrates their the depth of their quality, their drive, their their commitment and desire to to as 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 we're saying, you know, create a dynasty almost and and it's re-established themselves right at the pinnacle of the game both in this country and 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 in Europe and I, I you know Jurgen Klopp is is, is 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 at the foremost of all these complaints about five substitutions etc etc but they've actually they are demonstrating now that they do have that strength in depth and that that reflects very very well on them actually I mean even even at Fulham say on on, on Sunday when they're they're forced to play Jordan Henderson at centre half for the second half, I, I, you know they 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 actually look some far better team second half than they were first half. Strangely, that they're finding ways of of getting through these games, and yeah, they're not they're not winning matches that they would expect to win. Last season, they would have you know would have would have won probably quite convincingly, but they're still there or thereabouts. And in, given the the extreme nature of this campaign and and the truncated version of it, and the fact that there are so many games crammed in. For them to be in that position whilst all these players are in the treatment room and preparing, hopefully, to to come back in in in, 
in drips and drabs over the, the next few weeks and months, that they will be in a stronger position, hopefully, for the running when it really, really counts. And I, I you know, I, I have sympathy for for Klopp. We, I disagree with him on the fire substitute rule, as we've discussed before on this on this on this podcast. But I have huge admiration and sympathy for him because, you know, it must be difficult for all managers across the Premier League to to find their resources so depleted by by soft tissue injuries, which everybody is picking up. But uh, they're making a pretty good job of getting through it all. I have to say. Mm, yeah, it was frankly, you know, not to put. Too fine a point, and it was going nuts on the touchline at Craven Cottage, wasn't he? Jordan, how do you think he's de- dealing with the uh, you know the slings and arrows? Um, from the media, do you mean? Uh, no, or well, just just you know life in general. Just really. Generally, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think he's dealing with it okay. I, I think to kind of just to add to the Dom's point, I don't think I think we should give Liverpool a lot of credit when you think of the players they've lost and the period of time that these players are, are out or going to be out for. And to maintain where they are across European football and domestic football, they were awful yesterday against Fulham, I thought. I thought they were really, really bad. And they still got a point. They're not, they're not at their best. They're, they haven't got their best team and they're still getting points from games. And I think that that, does, that deserves a lot of credit in the sense that it says despite losing key figures, they're not being rattled. You know, he's very demonstrative on the touchline as, as we saw yesterday. And I think that he knows that it's not the Liverpool team that he wants to be playing the way he wants to play. But I think he should take a little bit of comfort from the fact that everyone's going through weird periods. They've, they've lost an insane amount of players in this first half of the season already, and yet they're still top of the league. So I, I think he's dealing with it fairly OK. I, I think... I, I agree with Dom. I don't really agree with a lot of his points on the substitute thing. I think that he's being a little bit disingenuous with the whole five subs thing. I think there's a there's an agenda there that's selfishly driven for what he wants for his club, which is fine. But don't try and make out like this for the betterment of football. That's that's no 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 no. You're you're looking after your team and that's fine. But just say that. Just just own it. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I think generally, I, I think he's dealing with it okay. Yeah, you know, Liverpool do mythologise their managers, don't they? You know, Dom, I know you, you knew Gerard Houllier well. His death was announced uh, this morning. We can talk in terms of his accomplishments. Only three other foreign managers, Wenger, Mourinho, Guardiola, have won more trophies or major trophies with English clubs than him. Only Sir Alex Ferguson, Pep uh, uh, and him have won three in one season. That's the trophies. What about the man? He was a lovely, lovely fellow, actually. Studious, bit of a disciplinarian around the around the club while he was managing there. I think his players would would confirm that. But he always had time for people. I remember a friend of mine at the Times, uh, Paul Joyce, and I went and had breakfast with him in um, in Rio in the the World Cup in twenty fourteen. You know, he, he was inviting us in, come 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 to the hotel, and we just talked football for maybe two hours he was there I think he was a FIFA delegate and he, he just he was charming and and generous with it with his time and knowledge and I know there are journalists that have been have been contacting him very very recently not you know completely oblivious to the fact that he would he was suffering again with his health and he's been he's been going out of his way to sort of help us and and to to offer up his thoughts on the game and that really sort of sums him up he he shouldn't be underestimated as a manager either, because he, he he did a brilliant job at, at virtually all the clubs he he was he he coached at. I mean, he went back to to Lyon and uh, and won the the league twice there as well, in France. And his his standing really with 
with Loel and uh, Michel, Jean-Michel Orlas, the, the, the president, had him working for that club as an advisor on a sort of ad hoc basis in recent years. He obviously had a big standing in the in the RB Red Bull group as well. So he, he was very, very, very well respected within the game. But but you're right, as a man, yeah, he was a he was a top, top player. I was I was shocked and very saddened to hear the news today because he'd been through a lot health wise over the years and yeah, it's a very, 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 very sad loss. Yeah, that generosity of spirit, I think, will probably stay with me also. Jordan, when we look at the other ties, Chelsea against Atletico, this has got the makings of a bit of a saga, isn't it? They, they've been very even in terms of when they play one another in Europe. I think it's both have won two games out of seven. Is this going to be a tight one? I don't think it will, you know, Mike. I, I, I think Chelsea, and this hurts to say it as an Arsenal boy, I, I think Chelsea comfortably win this one. I think Chelsea are a team with a manager that seems to be on a positive trajectory. Now, I know they're up against, or Frank Lampard's up against, a very savvy and wily, seasoned European manager that will, will you know, won't want to be outdone by this new upstart called Mr Lampard in, in West London. But I, I, I think Chelsea are onto something, and I think that they're in the groove now where they won't be fearing this Atletico Madrid team. It's not the Atletico of four or five years ago, for sure. And I know Simeone has kind of struggled to reinvigor that team to where they were three or four years ago. So I, I don't think it's you know the, the best draw for Chelsea, but I, I, I don't think they need to go into this too fearful. I think they've got the players, if they can keep some of those key creative players fit going into this tie to really, um, I, I think, convincingly win, win this tie. But I definitely think it will be a baptism of fire for, for Lampard up against someone who we all know is a is a quality and world-class manager in Simeone. Yeah, he's also a bit of a theatrical event, isn't it? I love he him. Loves uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and on, on Simeone, Dom, he's nearly been there nine years now, around about 500 games. Has he almost, you know, we talk always about creating a team in his own image, and I think he's probably trying to re- recreate another team as we speak, but has he almost stayed there too long, do you think? If if his game plan was to to progress to something that we might perceive as a bigger club, then then maybe. But I he looks like a manager that's comfortable in those surroundings, and that that is the right club for him. His achievements there have been pretty remarkable, and and he's he's only really waiting to add a, a European Cup to to his curriculum vitae, really, to, to confirm him as one of the the game's proper elite managers. I. I disagree slightly with Jordan on this one because I think this is the worst possible tie that Chelsea could have got out of the group. I mean, looking at all those, the options that they had and the possibilities, the the, the prospects of taking on a streetwise Atletico Madrid with Yao Felix playing out of his skin again, with Luis Suarez a sort of unnerving presence on the scene, and and, and above all, if Diego Costa is fit and playing against the Chelsea team, <laughs> that is a frightening prospect. I mean, anything could happen. Literally, anything could happen. It's um, it, this will be a real test. We, we, there's a there's a youth and exuberance about Chelsea, which is which is driving their their Premier League challenge. A lot of very very talented young players, and they've they've, they've done done well in the recruitment department as well. But this is the type of game where you're going to have to like, rely completely on a Thiago Silva, 
someone like that who's a bit streetwise and N'Golo Conte even possibly, Olivier Giroud, someone who can get, get you through a game against seasoned European campaigners who we all saw what they did to Liverpool at the same stage in last season's competition when it was still two-legged and there were still fans in stadia. I think it's, I, I think this is a daunting prospect and it will tell us a lot about how developed that that Chelsea team is, and and how streetwise and canny and uh, and Lampard's ability to improvise to to get through a two leg tie will be. I'll say this: I think if Chelsea do get through that tie, they'll get to the final. I think yeah, if Chelsea, I think if Chelsea, yeah, I think if Chelsea get through this tie, I I, I tip them to win it. Then mm. I must admit that the thought of Diego Costa against Chelsea, you know, that's what we've been missing. <laughs> it's what we've been missing since the, the Soprano stop filming, really, isn't it? <laughs> It is brilliant. We forget how brilliant he was as well. I've done a lot of retrospective stuff recently, looking back at Costa's time at Chelsea, and and he 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 was a phenomenon. But he was so such a problem as well. I mean, partly that was down to what the manager, I mean Jose Mourinho in particular, was telling him to do out on the pitch and to to be that player that 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 unnerves opponents however he possibly can. Doesn't matter whatever you do, just just make sure that they're riled, and that's what he did. And then he was astonished and outraged that he got booked for some of his antics I mean it's he's such a such a brilliant pantomime villain and I, I just can't wait I, I hope he's I hope he arrives fit and in favour because I think he would he will illuminate those two ties yeah wow I suppose Lampard he, he, he does say doesn't he Jordan that Chelsea are a work in progress if you take that to be the case what needs to improve do you think I think a little bit of what Dom alluded to there, a little bit of nastiness, a little bit of street-wiseness, if, if that's even the grammatical correct phrase there, <laughs> um, making up phrases now. But I, I think an edge. I think I think they've got a lot of exuberance, as Dom said, because there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of skill and talent. And I think there's a lot of will to win. You know, and they've got some winners in that team. Let's not forget they've got two, three World Cup winners in that squad. I, I like Mondi in goals, who's looking like he could go on to be a top, top goalkeeper. They've got lots of creativity in, in the wide areas. And, and I think Chilwell is proving me wrong slowly in terms of that being a, a, a good value for money signing at, at left back. I think right back, I think they can upgrade in, in that particular area. Um, yeah. I, 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 Controversial. I, yeah, I, I do. I do. I, yeah, I think right back is an area I think they need to have the next year to get a top top right back in. But I think generally... There's a good think, lad at Brighton, actually. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and for the record, I, I like James. I, I, I do like James. I know Lampertina let go. But I, I, I think um, I'm watching James quite closely, Rich James, to see you know how he develops. I do like him. But I, I think a top, top right back could be the way and look listen maybe in, in 18 months time he could be the best right back in in, in Europe that, that wouldn't surprise me but I, I think more than personnel I think they just need that extra year of seasoning to become a team that has that edge to go with the enthusiasm yeah I suppose Dom you know if you look at it I suppose the lesson of the Everton defeat at the weekend was they need to keep their their wide players fit there's a lot of conjecture about Havertz isn't there is there a danger of expecting too much too soon. Yeah, and, and the very fact that we're having that conversation suggests that people do expect an awful lot of a player from the outset. And yeah, he costs a lot of money, 70 odd million pounds. And I suppose there's a there's a there's an argument that you expect players to hit the ground running when you spend that much that much money. But the reality is this is a kid who was schooled at Bayer Leverkusen from the age of eleven. He's turned up in 
after a decade in a new country in ridiculously alien surroundings. I mean, when nothing is normal, even for the people who've lived here all their lives. And now he's he's coming in and having to adapt to football behind closed doors largely. He's had COVID, he had it badly. I mean, we shouldn't underestimate the, the impact that's had on his, his progress. He also doesn't appear to be a sort of natural figure in terms of where he plays in the team. I don't, I don't really know... I don't think Lampard knows exactly where he wants to play him. He he, he sort of he's thro- flourished at Bayer Leverkusen in so many different positions that, that he was almost a jack of all trades and he was a master of quite a few of them. But he, you know, there's big, there's probably sterner competition at, at Chelsea. You know, does he displace Ziyech when he's fit on the right of that front three? Probably not. Does he play as a false nine when you've got Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud? Probably not probably going to end up as an eight, as a number eight on the the right or left behind uh, with with Conte behind him which is great but then you've got to have the same energy as Mason Mount you've got to you know got to be the the the, the, the player that leads the press in, in Chelsea's approach and, and that again is a big ask when you're coming into a new club so just give him time the the, the kid is rated as one of the Germany's hottest prospects like they they rate him so highly over there and they know a fair bit about you know, talented young players coming through. So I think we should probably trust their judgment. I'm a massive fan of Fears. I think he's a huge talent. I'm not convinced he was a Lampard signing. I think he was a Chelsea signing that was given to Lampard and make it work. There's an element of, if we don't get him now, someone else is going to get him. So we've got to get him now, just get him in and try and make it work, which I think puts more pressure on Lampard. But I also, I also fear, and I'm a big fan of his, I fear he could be in that Meza Ozil, Mkhitaryan bracket of talented technical players that are in the wrong league. I just wonder if this league may not see the best of him and I can see him in two years it not quite working out, him going back to the Bundesliga with a Bayern or whoever and just ripping it up but that, that's my concern so far I'm not sure if there's a role in this league, the way that Lampard plays particularly for him to flourish to, to see that £70 million player but um, I'm a huge fan of his, I love him Mm. What about Manchester City, Dom? They've got Borussia Mönchengladbach. It's it's pretty much as per with them, isn't it? You know, they progressed as group winners for the fourth season running, only conceded one goal in six group games. That sounds really impressive, but there's always a but with Manchester City at the moment, isn't there? Well, it's, it's, it really doesn't really matter what City do prior to Christmas in their Champions League campaigns because they, they they get through those those groups pretty comfortably and they you know there'll, there'll be a couple of thrashings along the way and they're just they use their their group games quite shrewdly in terms of of giving people game time who maybe aren't as involved in the Premier League and the matches around that it's it but it's about the knockout and it's the test will be is this the year that Guardiola gets these city players competing coherently over two legs you know, in the in the last sixteen in the quarters, the semi-finals, and gets to gets to that final, and we've been. I mean, Leon. I'm still perplexed how Leon managed to jettison them last year. I mean, it still just baffles me. When you look at Borussia Mönchengladbach, they should not be troubled. City should not be troubled by this tie. I mean, okay, Mönchengladbach have a player and Turam who who did well in their in their group, but this is a a side that's not used to being at this stage and they haven't been at this stage in the Champions League. You know, their glory days in Europe were in the 70s and it's it's such an opportunity just to just to ease in, back into European competition in February, March time and get into that quarterfinal where you can start to focus and you'll get a proper challenge. 
I worry about the balance of City squad still. I mean, we'll have to see what the fitness of Aguero and 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 the, is like come come um, the, the the new year and the spring when these ties are going to take place. So it's hard to predict, but you just look at them and think, is this going to be the year? And it's difficult. To, it's difficult to say yes because they've been so inconsistent in the past. What's going to make it different? It's pretty much the same squad after all. That, that that's that's flattered to deceive really in the knockout stages in recent seasons. Yeah, and on, on that point, Jordan, Aguero has been a huge miss for them. They obviously need to replace him. Will they accelerate that replacement? And if so, are we looking at Erland Haaland turning up at uh, Manchester City anytime soon? Quite possibly, yeah. I think if I think it's obvious now that they need to they need to be looking at the the next guy after after Aguero. Aguero is kind of falling, I fear, into that kind of Vincent Company bracket of having to manage his games now. He clearly can't play two three games in a row. He's going to struggle to play two ninety minutes in a row. And I think that there's still a player in there that can give Manchester City fifteen goals a season because he's a killer in front of goal. But I think as the main guy, I'm not so sure if you're going to be Manchester City that looking to win Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues. I'm not convinced he's the guy you want to. You expect now to play 60 games a season or you know 45, 50 games a season. So yeah, I think Harlem would be would, would would be a great get. I, I wonder if Martinez at, at Inter would be a smarter, shrewder, and probably cheaper move. Um, but yeah, Harlem in the Premier League for, for Manchester City. I think we're seeing now that his general play is not great, but anywhere in and around the area, he's a huge problem. He's just a cold killer, cold killer in the box that just finishes. I think that's what City need. We'll create ten chances for you a game. We just need someone that's going to put it in the in in, in the back of the net in a way that I'm not always convinced Sterling does. And I like Jesus, but he he's not the guy that I'd be banking my Premier League and Champions League hopes on as as, as the main frontman. Yeah, I'm going to be interesting to interested to follow the career of Marco Rose, the um, the Munchen Gladbach coach played as a, a defender for Klopp at uh, Mainz. He's being mentioned as a possible successor to Lucien Favre, who was sacked by um, Borussia Dortmund yesterday. Dortmund have got Sevilla. Here's a, here's a fanciful notion for you, Dom. I know they're talking about spending, you know, not having a, a making a decision for the rest of the season, but what about Maurizio Pochettino at Dortmund? Well, it's, it is reaching the sort of stage now where you wonder where Maurizio Pochettino is finally going to get this job. And if he did take a position like like Dortmund, where he, you know, he's, he, it's, it's a big ask for 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 anybody to go in and to any of the of any you know Bundesliga clubs other than Bayern Munich and say, okay, go and win the Bundesliga, because you you've got to get past Bayern first. So it would be it would be daunting. I, I imagine it would be a challenge that he would probably relish because some of those players they've got are, are fantastic and that, again a young, vibrant squad. But I, I sort of hope he doesn't because I really want to see him back in the Premier League and that's that's a bit selfish of me. I, I do think there are going to be a couple of clubs, a couple of very very big clubs, that would be very very disappointed if Mauricio Pochettino did turn up somewhere else. But the but the, the follow-up to that is, why aren't those clubs moving now? Why aren't, When it's obvious that things are going badly wrong and, you you know, you can look at Manchester United, you could even possibly look at Arsenal now. And, and why why are these clubs not thinking, well, this Blake's available, he comes with pedigree, should we not just take the plunge now before we lose him? 
Mm. I suppose let's look very, very quickly, Jordan, at the rest of the draw. Uh, Lazio have got Bayern, Porto have got Juventus, Atalanta have drawn Real Madrid. The one, you know, the narrative tie, if you like, will be Barcelona against PSG. Neymar, who will be mentioned in dispatches in the build-up to that game, stretched it off last night while uh, PSG were being beaten by Lyon. What do you make of PSG and Barca this season? To be honest, they don't really impress me. No, me neither, Mike. Me neither at all. I don't know if there's a prognosis yet on how long Neymar will be out for, but it didn't, it didn't look good. It looked like it could be a, a semi to long period out. Um, no, I've, I've never been a fan of PSG. They've got all the talent in the world, but just don't, they, just, they just don't strike me as a team that is serious and is really... They're not a team for me. They're, they're a collection of talented players and, and to some degree egos in my view. So I'm, I'm not a fan of PSG. However, Barca are not great either as well. Barca are looking in very, very bad shape. I mean, it looks like they're, they're being carried by a 60% enthused Lionel Messi at the moment. And that's, that's never a good sign. So I, I think that could be, that could be a, a perversely good game because two top teams are not very good. If, if that if that makes sense, um, I, I don't think it's going to be a high quality match. I think there'll be a lot of a lot of vigor in that match, but I can't call that game because I think you've got one team that's just not playing very well against another team that I just don't really trust to get the job done in the big games when it really really matters. I know they got to the Champions League final last season, and they came up against the, you know the best team in Europe. That you can lose that game, fair enough. But even the games that they won to get to the final. Never really convinced on PSG, so that that could be a good game by default. <laughs> Here's a stat for you: in the Champions League, there are precisely zero teams who are currently leading their respective leagues. In the Europa League, thirteen of the thirty-two surviving teams are doing so, which brings us to Manchester United and Real Sociedad. Sociedad leading La Liga. That is not a good draw for Man United in their current state, is it, Jordan? It's not, no, because what I've seen of Sociedad this season, the key element, I would say, to their success is they're very organised and very drilled. And I wonder if that sort of team is the worst kind of team so that United could, could face at this point. United want a team that I think are going to be expansive, open up and play off the cuff with quality. But I think Sociedad don't do that. They're very drilled in, in what they do, with a little bit of flair in there as well. So I think this is one of the worst draws that United could have got. I think the heat on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for getting knocked out of the Champions League, especially the way they got knocked out, having done the hard work in the first two games and then messed it up in the middle bit and then at the end, I think will put more pressure on him to, to, to go really deep into this competition. They got the semis last year. I think anything more than than a you know or less sorry than a final position in this competition would be seen as a failure for him. In fact, I, I think he probably needs to win this. You could forgive them for not winning the Champions League, maybe because they're not they're, they're not a Champions League club anymore in, in terms of on the pitch. This is their level, so I would say that the pressure would be now on for them to really go for this in a way that the opposite, I would say, for Liverpool, who would prioritise domestic competitions. I think United need to prioritise this competition. Yeah, because when you look at it, Dom, the Europa League is a bit of a slog, isn't it? Thursday nights, an extra round. They're down to the last 32. Also, is it a test of collective character? How do you think the Man United players will respond to what 
however unfairly, is still regarded as a second-tier competition. It's it's difficult to predict anything with Manchester United, and particularly when it comes to their players and their reactions. Uh, their inconsistencies are, are, are very, very clear out on the pitch, even within games, let alone on sequences of matches. They, there are a lot of egos in that team that will not be content to be competing in the Europa League, despite the fact, that, as, we, as you've just made the point, that the Europa League quality is very high this year. And as you get into the last 32, and last, well, certainly the last 16 and beyond, you'd imagine that, that the cream of the crop will, will, will come through and, and the quality will be even higher still. So it, they're going to have to knuckle down. I mean, that's the bottom line of it. It's, these egos... These these players are playing on reputations. They haven't been consistent as a as a collective this season. Just as you think they're taking off, and they win four games on the bounce at Everton, West Brom, uh, Istanbul, and, and and Southampton, they they go and lose to PSG and you know and, and exit the Champions League to, to Leipzig. So it's it's they're wildly wildly unpredictable, and that doesn't reflect well on the management, definitely. But it it reflects even worse, I think, on, on the players. Yeah, and talking of players, Dom, you know, one of my favourite players in, in the Premier League recent history is David Silva, who's you know at, has made a big impact, surprise, surprise, at Sociedad. He does love playing against United as well, doesn't he? Five goals in his last eight appearance against them. It's a strange one, David Silva, because I think everybody assumed that when he left Manchester City in the summer, he'd sort of sail off into the sunset and maybe find some some nice retirement somewhere where he could play a bit of football in a in a in a league that was of a lesser standard, a considerably lesser standard. Actually he's he's gone to Real Sociedad and has taken them helped propel them to, you know, above Atletico Madrid on goal difference as as we stand at the moment. And he's still got those dashes of, of genius uh, that he can he can decorate any any game with. And and United will be more than aware of the threat he poses, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they can quell him. You know, when he's in the mood, he is—he's quite something, even at his age and at this stage in his career. I think he'll be—he'll be loving this sort of Indian summer to his career, and and the fact that he he can be so integral to a team back in Spain in in La Liga, and it's 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 great to see because you know he's he's a he's a player that that was wonderful for the Premier League for for such a long time, and and really personified and was synonymous with with Manchester City's rise to to prominence. Yeah, I do love watching football in the Basque region. It's such a community exercise, isn't it? I love it. Now, I can't put this too delicately, but um, Arsenal have had another shocking draw as well, haven't they? Um, yeah, Benfica. Um, come back towards the line. <laughs> Uh, okay, what do you want to get off your chest? It's, this is not a good draw for them as well, is it? It's really not. No, um, Benfica are doing are doing pretty well in in, in their domestic league. There's sprinkles of quality in their front line as well, which I think is not good for Arsenal because Arsenal aren't doing good going forward or defensively. This is the one of the worst draws for the club now. Should Mikel Arteta make it to that tie? I, I think you'd like to think that he's made it that far because he's turned things around. So that's kind of the kind of spin I'm trying to put on this now. If by the time that tie comes around, Mikel Arteta's still in charge, it will only be because he's turned the, the team's form around. But even a good Arsenal team, this is this is a difficult period for. And Arsenal are in, Arsenal are in trouble of becoming a club that is 
looked at as a little bit of a joke if they're not already for for multiple reasons. I, I, I could go into the, the whole spiel about the need for better players, better management, better recruitment, and we'll see in the coming days if Arteta is is kept on. I fear he won't, but you know, Mike, and listeners of this podcast will know that I'm a big fan of his. And I wouldn't sack him. Do you think that's but, is that a serious possibility? Okay, they've got what the, they've got Southampton, Everton, Chelsea in the next three games. If they lose all three, I can understand the pressure. But surely all you're doing is inviting more chaos if the manager that you recruited to to turn everything round and create a new culture is let go. I completely agree. I as I said, I, I wouldn't sack him regardless. But you think they will? Ne- I think they will because I don't think those next three games he gets a win. I don't think he beats Southampton, Everton or Chelsea in those three games coming up. And I think that then means that going into the new year, Arsenal at best are going to be 15th. They could be in the bottom three. And I think as much as I'm a big fan of Arteta, you can't be manager of Arsenal Football Club going into January. And I know we're a month delayed because of COVID and all that sort of stuff, but you can't be going into January in the bottom three, and it would be difficult for even me to defend Mikel Arteta if that's the case. I don't expect Arsenal to be in the you know fight for the title or even top four, even though that was my prediction pre-season. But you can't be bottom five. You can't be bottom three. The bigger problem, I think, at Arsenal is the culture still hasn't been allowed to change. People don't want to hear this, but I still believe that for all the good things that Arsene Wenger did at Arsenal... When he left them, he dragged them to the to the lowest depths, I think, that were possible. There was a culture of being losers at Arsenal. I call it loserism at Arsenal. And that hasn't been that hasn't been gotten rid of at Arsenal. Emre couldn't do it. Mikel Arteta, I think, is trying to do it, but hasn't succeeded yet. And no matter who you bring in, you sack Mikel Arteta, you've still got a culture. It's not just about bringing in better players. You've still got a culture of mediocrity at Arsenal. And I believe that Mikel Arteta, given time and I know that time is not a friend of many managers, can change that. But I think the first thing that has to be, that has to be done is getting rid of the, of, the, of the rubbish that currently is at Arsenal before you even bring in good players. And that needs to the summer at the bare minimum. But I don't think you'll get it. Yeah, I suppose, Dom, in our, in our game, we actually read between lines, don't we? And you look at Arsenal and you, you see the lack of discipline, the, you know, the pulsed in front of goal, I think it's only two goals in eight games, their worst run since 1986. You know, senior management talking about, you know, their faith in Arteta. What is the solution to something like this? Is it as simple as saying, right, okay, get rid of perceived troublemakers, you know, the the, the rotten apples, perhaps someone like, you know, Jacker, who frankly let everyone down by getting sent off against Burnley. What's the way out of this? It's probably patience. Albeit that brings inherent risk as well with with the team's form plateaued so badly now. I, I don't. I mean, it's it's too simplistic to say you can just get rid of the bad apple because you can't do that with with squads. You can't just you can't just find a buyer, pluck a buyer from the ether for for players that have performed poorly and and are on considerable wages. I'd imagine at Arsenal and. But sorry to cut you there, Don. But I think you can because there's three or four of those inverted commas bad apples. Whose contracts run out in the summer? Well, that's, you know that's what I mean? fine. So, well, there's your patience. So there, be patient until the summer, and then you can rebuild. I mean, it's it's fine if you've got like a, a yeah a large proportion of your squad out of contract in the in the in the end of the season. Then you sever ties, and they should be doing that anyway. I mean, they these players have underperformed for years. It's not it's not 
the odd, the odd cup, domestic cup success is, is not what the Arsenal support, I'd imagine. It's not going to satisfy them, it's not going to sate them. So, so the, have, be patient until the summer. My my one my concern with with Arteta is if if it's a, if it is genuinely the issue that that his philosophy these players are struggling to implement his philosophy, so they're not of the desired quality to play how he wants them to play, which would appear to be the case. And he's he seems quite stubborn in in the terms of how he wants his teams to play. Does he not have to show a level of pragmatism with what he's got? at his disposal now and just get them playing in a way that gets them a result. It may not be allied to what he wants to do long-term, but if you've got the situation where you've got six, as you say, five or six players out of contract, you really want rid of at the summer, then just get to that summer, finish in the top eight, finish in the top 10, you know, have a little cut run maybe along the way, do do something, go go further in the Europa League if you can. But, and, but then only really implement things as you want them to be when you've actually got a chance to go and reinvest some money, fingers crossed, and that's another big year for Arsenal, obviously, from next summer. He, he needs to be more pragmatic now in his approach, if that is indeed the case. And Jordan, you'll be able to tell me, are, are the players just not able to do what he wants them to do? I, I think you make a really interesting point there, Dom, about the bar at Arsenal for him, I think is quite low. If they finish top 10, he keeps his job. They're not expecting a, a title or a top four. Top 10, he'll be fine. He has to readjust and change his ways in order to keep his job and get to the summer, as Dom says. But the thing that's concerning me the most about Arteta, and it's worrying me, is that he's gone away from what I think were his footballing principles. We've never been a crossing team under Arteta, but now we're chucking in 30 crosses a game. And I'd argue the two teams in the league could argue that you want to cross against the least are Tottenham and Burnley. (laughs) And those are the two teams that he's crossing against. So that says to me, you're actually just getting desperate now. You're throwing things at the wall and looking at what sticks. And that's when Unai Emery got sacked. He got lost in his own idea of what he was meant to be doing. And that would be my one concern. Do you know what you're doing? And if you do, stick to it and believe in it. But now it just seems very random. And that's a, that's not a good look. But do you think you know, it's difficult for managers who are under pressure to be brave and say, OK, I'll go with the kids? Now, Self-evidently, there's some very, very good young players at Arsenal. Joe Willock, Emil Smith-Rowe, I, I rate really highly, uh, Anketia, people like that, Saka. Do you think they should be or do you think they will be trusted more in the next couple of weeks or a couple of months? I think he doesn't have any other option now because, the, A, there's a few injuries and suspensions coming up. So just from a, a, a mathematical point of view, there's not a lot of players to rely on. But I think also it's, it's getting to the point now where he will know the club are surely now going to be looking to tee up the next guy. He's got two or three more games to save his job. There's no other option now but to try something different. He's tried different tactics. He might as well try with different players as well. The players that have played in the Europa League, okay, it's three, four levels below in our in our group anyway, the Premier League standard. But they've performed. They have genuinely performed. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing a couple of those young players in at least a squad for the next couple of games. Because if he doesn't, I don't see him getting wins, and I, I think he'll be gone by by the new year. Yeah, well, without wishing to rub it in, Spurs are on top of the Premier League. All right, Mike, all right, all right. <laughs> They're at Anfield on Wednesday, but um, their draw today is the sort of draw that Arsenal and Man United probably would have loved. Wolfsburger. Now, that's not the Bundesliga clubs. Are you an instant expert on, on them, uh, Dom? 
<laughs> Honestly, uh, they're seventh in the Austrian league. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> but then, okay, I mean, we so... had last season, LASK uh, did very well in the Europa League and, until they met Manchester United and got absolutely hum- uh, thumped 5 0, I think it was, at, uh, at home in the first leg. So the Austrian league this, it has, has has thrown up the occasional team that that, that that progresses quite far, but this is not this is not a tie that's going to be keeping Mourinho fretting for the next two months. I, I'm not an expert on them either, just briefly, my. But I think for Spurs, it's really important that they go for this cup. He was brought in Mourinho to bring silverware. They're not going to win the title for me. They're not. That's just not me being a, a Tottenham hater. But they're not going to win the league. So for me they may as well try and go for, for that competition. And I could see Gareth Bell, the second half of the season, being a really significant player in, in that squad that I think is going to get a lot more games, in particular in Europe as well. Yeah, because when we talk about, when we talk about Arsenal's mentality in, in, in a negative way, the way that Tottenham have come together under Mourinho this season has, has well, frankly surprised me. They've got, I think it's seven games in, in three weeks, They've come through the Europa League test initially. What sort of state do you think they'll be in going to Anfield on Wednesday, Dom? There'll be a frustration that they they couldn't see through that that game at Selhurst Park on Sunday because on the first 20-25 minutes of the match, you'd have thought that they would have progressed and, and eased through quite comfortably. When Hjoberg and, and Tissoko were were the dominant force in midfield and that back line was was playing well as a unit. Uh, it didn't look as if there was an obvious route for, for Palace to come back into the match. But as it turned out, they they were put under the cost for a long period of the second half and ended up cursing the, the Vicente Guaita's excellence in the last couple of minutes. So it's a frustration them to, just to a point. And I, I, I think that probably will be a lesson to them. I think they'll go steal to Anfield. I... I I, I I look at this team and it there are familiar sort of similarities to the Mourinho team that won the league at Chelsea in fourteen fifteen and that no one really thought they were going to do it that year, but they were quite selective with their recruitment. They had a goal scorer, they had a creator in in Diego Costa and and Cesc Fabregas at the time, and a solid back line that was stingy and and played well other than weirdly one game at White Hart Lane and and they won the league at a canter they won it with three games left to spare and this Spurs side and the way that they're playing and the way that Mourinho has galvanised them and he's almost reminding the world that actually he's not the busted flush that we all thought he was after after the, the, the third year at Chelsea and then his experience at Manchester United. And actually, he's still got something to offer and maybe management hasn't moved on quite as quickly as we'd, we'd thought. I, I, I'm quite intrigued to see how this goes because I, 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 I can see them winning this league. I, I, can, see, I can see them exploiting a, the, the, the sort of unique scenario that is the Premier League this season and the fact that Liverpool have got an injury list and the and Champions League football that will clutter up their 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 priorities almost in the new year as well. And Tottenham might just be there. They've got a, a manager canny enough and a team that are playing well enough for him to exploit that. So I I I think on Wednesday's a great test and uh, throw the game at Anfield is a, is a is a really good test of them and see how far they go. But they'll be resilient and they will cause Liverpool problems. And, you know, when you've got a front two that on the same wavelengths of, as, as Son and, and Kane, that they can win games like this. 
Well, they can. Well, they did so, didn't they? They beat City and Chelsea and Arsenal by by essentially sitting in. Do you think that's the game plan they'll they'll follow again at Anfield? I, I do. Uh, yes, I can see Tottenham getting at least a draw in this game, and that burns me to say it. But I, I really think Spurs are going to leave uh, that game with, with something. And it's interesting. The reason why I don't think they're going to win the title is because I still feel that they're just a Harry Kane injury away from that that deck of cards falling. I know Spurs fans don't like hearing that, but I think he's so integral to their team that, and, and we know every year he gets a, an injury at some point, I think you can take out Van Dijk from Liverpool and they can still get to a level. You can take out De Bruyne and still get to a certain level. I think you take out Harry Kane, they're fourth. They're a top four team for me rather than contenders for the title. But the other thing I think is interesting as well about what Dom said and Jose Mourinho is, about how many people, me included, thought he was a busted flush and thought he's, you know, his time had come and gone off the back of his third year at Chelsea and then definitely at United. But I, don't, I think it's more this season with COVID and the injuries. I wonder if tactics now are going back to a Mourinho style of playing, i.e. keep it tight, don't run as much, don't run too much, just keep it tight, be solid and nick goals on the break with the likes of Kane and Son. So I wonder if the game has kind of come back round to Jose rather than Jose, you know, do you know what I mean, doing any kind of tweaking to his managerial style. I think this is the one season where that style of of, of setting up, but in blocks, disciplined, don't move out your out of your out of your spots, and then spring and take your take your chances. This is the one season where that tactic I think could be fruitful. Yeah, Leicester, they've got Slavia Prague who were runners-up in their group. They did beat Nice and Leverkusen. What about Leicester, Dom? Are they still being underestimated? The last time I appeared on this podcast, we devoted 15 minutes to them and saying how wonderful they were, so I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) We were ahead of the curve, mate. We were, absolutely. (laughs) I suppose if if a level of inconsistency creeps into their game, then then they they might drop out of... At that top bracket at the top, but there's 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 no real indication that you know that, that is what's happening. I mean that, that they we know exactly what you get with Leicester, and now actually they're getting injured players coming back. We're now seeing Madison back into the fold after a sort of injury interrupted first three three months of the season, and it, you know he will add something huge to that Leicester team in terms of attacking options. And Didi back in you know back in contention as well, and the, when these guys all sort of drop back into the team, they'll be even stronger than they were. Yes, they rely on Vardy's goals, but but you know just 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 look at the the way that they're creating them now, and and they're finding different ways to beat teams. They blew Brighton and Hove Albion away in the first half of the weekend. I mean that game was dead at half time, and you've got a load of fixtures to play, and 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 a relatively small squad, then. Yeah, win games in the first half and you can sit out the second pretty much and rest up some limbs. This may be cheeky, but I wonder if Arsenal, if they do sack Arteta, start linking themselves with Brendan Rodgers and if that could potentially distract and derail their season going forward. I think that's the only thing I can see going wrong for them. If, if, if Brendan Rodgers gets distracted, that, that could be the thing that, that messes them up. But I, I like Leicester a lot. Serious team. Do, do you think Brendan Rodgers will be tempted? Well, there is, that, there is that question. People say to me, well, why would he leave Leicester to go to Arsenal? And I think it's a legitimate question. I think Arsenal at that at that point now where 
it's not a given. A bit like United. I don't think it's a given that Pochettino wants to go to United. I think it's possible, but I don't think it's a given. So maybe Rodgers is happy with what he's got there at Leicester and his job is, in his mind, to make Leicester a certified top four, worst case, top six team that can go far in Europe. OK, well, since we, we're talking about management, final question, Dom. Royal Antwerp have got Rangers in the draw for the last 32. Give me your progress report on Steven Gerrard's managerial apprenticeship. Well, he seems to have learnt from the unexpected downturn of the start of this year, this calendar year, where I think they hadn't they beaten Celtic and everybody thought that they were within touching distance now of ending Celtic's dominance of domestic football in Scotland. And then just their form just just fell away horrifically thereafter towards the run in the last season and they ended up well off the pace. But, but you know, where that might have spread panic and it might have, you know, had, had the doubts growing over whether he had the capabilities of, of, of taking on a job as, as big as Rangers, everything he's done so far this season has been outstanding on, on two fronts. To be leading the the Scottish Premiership by 13 points from Celtic. For for all that Celtic have got their the two games in hand and and have had issues um, and their own form has been indifferent. I think Rangers have induced some of those some of those issues by by being so consistent and impressive. And it now looks as if there's a there's a, a structure, an idea, a, 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 a confidence and belief to Rangers which which is timely given you know the magnitude of this season and and trying to stop that tenth title in the, on the bounce. So he's I don't know whether he's surpassed expectations. I th- I think a lot of people who who've met him or know Stephen Gerrard probably thought that he'd, he'd make a very good manager. He always thought hugely about the game. He was very eloquent. He was he he's worked on some superb managers over the years. So he was he was always he was always going to have a good chance of of being that good manager and. It, I guess Rangers was a risky first job to take, but as it stands at the moment, he's doing a brilliant, brilliant job. He he will be wary though, given what happened last season, that it's it's a matter of sustaining that and through to the end of the season. But there's nothing to, su- to suppose now that, that he hasn't learnt those lessons and they'll be in a, a far stronger place going into the new year than they were at the turn of this year. Yeah, well, this is shaping up to be a season like no other. Just look at the teams leading the five major leagues in Europe. Spurs, of course, are on top of the Premier League. Leverkusen lead in Germany, Sociedad in Spain, AC Milan in Italy and Lille in France. Are the old empires crumbling or are they ready to strike back? The Champions League will give us a clue. Don't know about you, but I can't wait for proper knockout football. Thanks in the meantime to Jordan and Dom for their insight and to you for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.